But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you are laying in bed are these. Welcome to the Gospel According to with Ryan and Mike, a conversation designed to explore what makes the gospel good news in various books and topics of the Bible. The Old Testament is the key to unlocking the message of Revelation, but how are we to understand the use of Old Testament in Revelation? Did John just fill this book with codes where the Old Testament is deciphered? Did he randomly just quote passages that he liked? Join Ryan and Mike as they explain the intentional and inspiring use of Daniel within Revelation. Okay, Mike, so let's talk some about the Old Testament background to the book of Revelation. I have often likened the book of Revelation as the climax of the story. It is even perhaps the climax of the symphony. Mm-hmm. It, it is though you are coming into this grand narrative, this grand epic, and you're finally reaching climax here. Yes. This is Harry Potter, book seven, yeah. end of the chapter, right? Yeah. You know, chapter 34, 35. Um, you know, th- th- this is the climax. This is the battle of Middle Earth. You know, yeah. th- this this is the climax of everything. End game. But this is end game. Yeah. Yep, this is the end game. But it's also very important to note that this story, which we've talked about the story before, you know, that that whole idea of ascension, Mm -hmm. war, judgment, kingdom, Mm -hmm. that story is apocalyptic in nature. Mm -hmm. And what we mean by that is the unveiling of the heavenly realm, Mm -hmm. the unveiling of God's throne, the unveiling of God's purposes to us below Mm -hmm. are coming in the book of Revelation. Yes. A great deal of what I believe and what I think you believe is being unveiled in the book of Revelation has been prophesied of in earlier prophets. Yes. So it's very important not just to understand the story of Revelation. It's not important it's important not only to read Revelation as parable, but it's also extremely important to to know the background and to know the story that comes before so that you can hear the climax when you get to Revelation. Yes. So Take us into Daniel some so that you can help us to understand how exactly does this background story in Daniel help us as we get to Revelation. Cool. And let let me reiterate something you just said, just because it's easy that if if, for that to have been missed, Um, you're emphasizing the story of the scriptures before it, not just a collection of verses here and there, because it's easy to just think, all right, find my coded reference to this particular little verse or this particular little verse and plug that into some of the images of Revelation. But but what you said was, it's this overall story that, that is put together by the rest of Scripture that Revelation is carrying forward. And, and, and I want to just emphasize that at the beginning, that that's exactly the right way to, to see it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, great point. So then, so then to, to Daniel in particular, um, we, we emphasize Daniel not because Daniel's necessarily referenced more often than, say, Isaiah or Ezekiel or whatever. There's abundant references to plenty of other scriptures. But what Daniel does for us uh, is, is sets up, establishes the overall plot and structure of the book, right? There's a strong connection there with, with, with Daniel. And so Daniel is the primary scriptural background for, for Revelation. So let's let's dig into um, three key texts in Daniel to build a portrait or sketch a portrait of expectation that would have uh, characterized John's wait for it cosmos view 
of the world. Thank you. There You're you welcome. Yeah, yep. anytime. Um, and 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 see how that would have been brought forward in Jesus, and so how Revelation is picking that up. So let's go back to Daniel two and start there. Just a brief context of Daniel because. We've said this is a revelation study, but we're going to dig into Daniel for a minute. Um, Daniel's set in the period of the Babylonian exile, and it contains a series of narratives and visions that reveal the purpose of God or the kingdom of God in Daniel's day, but ultimately looks forward in expectation to the last days. That's the book of Daniel in a nutshell. Um, sure. Daniel 2, then, is this central, centering, anchoring, foundational vision of the whole book. Um, and, and so... King Nebuchadnezzar receives this vision, this dream. He has this dream of this tall statue made of both these different metals, and he's looking for someone to interpret it. Daniel's brought before the king, and, and listen to what he says in beginning of verse 27. Daniel answered before the king and said, As for the mystery about which the king has inquired, neither wise men, conjurers, magicians, diviners are able to declare it to the king. However, and listen to this wording, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. That should ring a bell to some things we've already said in Revelation. There's a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in the latter days, or literally the end of days. This was your dream and the visions in your mind while on your bed. As for you, O king, while on your bed, your thoughts turn to what would take place in the future, or literally after this. And he who reveals mysteries has made known to you what will take place. And so from there, Daniel goes on to just tell the king about the dream that he had. Then he interprets it, and, and, and more or less these different metals represent different kingdoms and everything. And so this image represents the kingdoms of men, the powers, the, the, the kingdoms that are rivaling God and rebellion against God. But then verse 44 is very important. He says, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed, and that kingdom will not be left for another. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. So what I want to, the first point that I want to sort of establish and really anchor in for us is that the, the overall expectation of Daniel, anchored in Daniel 2, is that God will establish an everlasting kingdom and end all rival kingdoms in the last days. We could, we could say it in a very shorter way. God's reign, God will reign, right? right? You know, yeah. God will reign unchallenged. But, but to be a little bit more specific and pick up some of what's going on in the text, let me say it again. God will establish an everlasting kingdom and end all rival kingdoms in the last days. All right, that is the... Yeah, and, 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 and you know, just connecting this to Isaiah 52, verse 7, where we yeah. have our theme idea of your God reigns. Mm -hmm. Daniel is drawing from many of Isaiah's Absolutely. visions in yes. his own writings. Mm -hmm. You know, Daniel's a plagiarist. Yeah. He picks up greatly from things that were written by Ezekiel, things that are written even by Jeremiah. I mean, we know Jeremiah. Yes. He reads Jeremiah explicitly in the book. Yeah. And certainly Isaiah is alluded to. And so this idea of the reign of God coming in the last day and God revealing this mystery through his prophets. This isn't something new with Daniel, but he's kind of like the pinnacle of the Old Testament prophets. Yeah. Zechariah may be in there as well yeah. before you get to a lot of this revelation that's going to happen in Jesus. Absolutely, yeah. Very, very good. All right, so if we get that foundational idea, God will establish an everlasting kingdom and end all rival kingdoms in the last days. That's our baseline for the book of Daniel. Now let's go to Daniel 7. And this is a chapter that we looked at 
in an earlier episode. And I want to take the time to look at it again because it's so important. Um, one of the most referenced scriptures in the New Testament. One of the, the most referenced Old Testament scriptures in the, in the New Testament. Um, and again, for some of the same reasons we're saying, we're drawing on from uh, Revelation, in that it says so much about the plot of divine history and the outworking of God's purpose. So here on this occasion, now Daniel's the one who has a dream and a vision. And what he sees is this, the sea and this sort of vortex in the sea and these beasts coming up out of the sea, four beasts. And he describes each one and each one gets more and more terrifying and vicious than the, than the next. But then... Yeah, Mike, if I could ask you a question, would you sure. consider Daniel 7 an example of apocalyptic literature? Absolutely, yeah. Why? Think back to the boxes that we said, okay, uh, report of visions and dreams, um, symbolic figurative imagery, intense visceral graphic, uh, epic cosmic scale, drawing on the scriptures, right? You know, Dan, like you said, Daniel's a plagiarist. He's drawing on Isaiah, who's drawing, you know, so there's a ton of intertextuality that's going on here. So it checks every box that we've said to, to uh, uh, what classifies apocalyptic. Verses. Sure, yeah, yeah. So go, go and take us into those verses then. Okay. These are extremely apocalyptic verses. Yeah, so after, after describing that initial part of the vision, then we look at verse nine. And, and, and I kept looking until thrones were set up, right? One, let, let me stop here and let's appreciate how terrifying what Daniel's already seen is, right? The, the sea churning, these beasts coming, devouring and destroying and trampling. And I mean, this, this would be our worst nightmare. But then you see a, another scene shift in verse nine. Then thrones were set up and the ancient of days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne ablaze with flames, its wheels a burning fire. A river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him. Myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The court set, the books were open. Then I kept looking because of the sound of the boastful words which the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body was destroyed and given to the burning fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but an extension of life was granted to them for an appointed period of time. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and people of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. And so again, these beasts are wreaking havoc, but thrones are set up. The Ancient of Days takes his seat to pass judgment against these beasts. And then what we see, this one like a son of man, which is an expression to describe a human, right? One, this this human-like figure rises up to heaven, rides up on the clouds to receive a kingdom. He's granted authority to reign and rule, which that, again, talk about intertextuality, that takes us all the way back to Genesis 1, when we think about God's initial purpose for the cosmos, that humans be his image bearers who would rule on his behalf and rule and reign with him. That's exactly what we see going on in Daniel 7. So that's the vision, more or less. But then we're going to get the interpretation of it. And, and this is really important. Down in verse 17, the, the short version of the interpretation is, 
these great beasts, which are four in number, are four kings who will arise from the earth. Right. So again, just like the, the statue of Daniel 2, the four beasts are four kingdoms here in Daniel 7. But here's the, the positive outcome, verse 18. But the saints of the highest one will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever for all ages to come. Again, that's the baseline interpretation of this dream. So in Daniel 2, the, the, the expectation God will establish an everlasting kingdom and end all rival kingdoms in the last days. Daniel 7 fills that out a little bit more by saying the saints will receive the kingdom of God, right? That, that purpose yeah, and, and that God has. Yeah, let's contextualize this a bit. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, within the context of Daniel, Daniel is serving a foreign king. And right now, God's people, the saints, the holy ones, yeah. are in exile under right. a Gentile hand. Yes. And yet, God is promising to bring about an eternal kingdom that his people will inherit Yes. One day in the future. That's right. Now, this, of course, is a mystery. Mm-hmm. When is this going to happen? How, How exactly will this occur? Yeah. There's so much mystery to this. But there's still this story that Daniel's promising is going to come to fruition. That's right. All right, so the overall picture is the coming of kingdom, the saints inheriting the kingdom. All right, well, even in Daniel 7, he's going to expand that a little bit more and give us a little bit more detail about the events that surround that. And so Daniel's so fixed fixated on this one beast and this one horn and that was especially dreadful and terrifying. Um, and, he, and we see in verse 21, I kept looking and that horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them until the ancient of days came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the highest one. And the time arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom. All right. So when we zoom in a little bit more on this unfolding coming kingdom of God, what we see is actually what precedes the saints inheriting the kingdom or receiving the kingdom is this war where these these powers, these evil powers are waging war with the saints. But then the ancient of days will come and pass judgment in favor of the saints. Then the saints will receive the kingdom of God. Okay, And that's, again, if you remember from earlier episodes, what we what we emphasize is the the plot of the book of Revelation and that divine drama is with the prologue of the ascension of Christ. We see war, judgment, kingdom, right? We get that from Daniel 7 as Daniel 7, again, outlines the plot of, of divine history in terms of the... Yeah, and, and if I could say it somewhat differently, I think what you're helping us to do here is to, to go back and see that the overall plot of Daniel 7 that comes about in Revelation is apocalyptic in nature. Mm-hmm. It's apocalyptic from a literary perspective. It's both apocalyptic from the cosmos view as well. But also you're helping us to see there's a promise yes. that's going to come. Yes. The promise of the kingdom. And, and, and this is the promise that God has made through Daniel to his people. That's right. And then you're going to see this unveiling. Go ahead and take yes, us sir. further with Daniel. Yeah, very good. And then just one last thing with Daniel 7, just to again see this, re- this reiterate. Verse 25, he will speak out again, this, this sort of rival evil power. He will speak out against the Most High and wear down the saints of the highest one. And he'll intend to make alterations in times and in the law. And they'll be given into his hand for times, time, and half a time. But there's that war described just in in more intense language. But the court will sit. His dominion will be taken away, annihilated, and destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, the dominion, the greatness, the kingdoms under the whole of heaven will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions will serve him. So let let me put all this together, Daniel 2 and Daniel 7. Daniel 2 establishes a foundation of hope that God will establish his kingdom, a 
an everlasting kingdom by ending all rival kingdoms, and this will happen in the last days. Daniel 7 builds on that by saying the saints of God will receive that kingdom, will reign with him. That is then further expanded and broken down in three moves before all this happens or in, in, the, in, the, in connection with the unfolding of this, this hope. One, violent evil powers will wage war with the saints and overpower them. Two, then the Ancient of Days will come and pass judgment in favor of the saints. And three, the saints will receive the kingdom of God, right? This is promise. This is the purpose of God. This is expectation. This is a portrait that Daniel's building uh, that's framing a cosmos view of the world that Jesus, that the early disciples, Paul and Peter and John would have informing them. And that's going to make sense in light of the death and resurrection of Jesus, but we haven't got there yet. But anyway, we're seeing this just in terms of this portrait of expectation. But yeah, this is the expectation. This is the expectation that the prophets are working toward before the coming of the Messiah. That's right. All right, and let's look at one more one more passage. Um, go ahead and go to, to uh, uh, Daniel uh, 11 and 12. I, I, for sake of time and not, not spending a whole lot of time here, um, sometime go back and read Daniel 11, at least beginning in verse 36, and see a little bit more about this these evil powers that are attacking the people of God and, and waging war and all those kinds of things. It unpacks that. But let's, let's focus on this, this other aspect. Pick up in, in Daniel 12, beginning in verse 1. Now at that time, uh, again in context, when this evil, terrifying, uh, ruling power will afflict God's people, Michael, the great prince who stands over the sons of your people, will arise. And there'll be a time of distress such as never occurred. There was a nation, uh, never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people, everyone who's found written in the book will be rescued. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven, and those who lead the many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But as for you, Daniel... Conceal these words and seal up the book until the end of time, or again, last days. Many will go back and forth, and knowledge will increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others were standing, one on the bank of the river, the other on the bank of that river. One said to the man dressed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, How long will it be until the end of these wonders? I heard the man dressed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, and he raised his right hand and his left toward heaven, and he swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. As soon as they, and and for our Revelation readers, keep that image in mind for when we get to Revelation 10. Anyway, as soon as they- time's gonna be really important, yes. As as soon as they finish shattering the power of the holy people, all these will be completed. As for me, I heard, but could not understand. So I said, my Lord, what will be the outcome? He said, go, Daniel, for these words are concealed and sealed up until the end time. Many will be purged, purified, and refined, but the wicked will act wickedly, and none will, and none of the wicked will understand, but from those who have insight to understand. All right, so there's a lot in that, lots of questions that raises a lot of details there. But what I want to focus on right now is simply the big picture portrait that's being sketched in this chapter and how this fills out this portrait of expectation. The first point that we see in Daniel 12 is that tribulation will characterize the time before the end. Okay? That's, that's a, something that's mentioned early on in 
Daniel 12, that this tribulation will characterize the time before the end. In other words, the war of Daniel 7, right? So, so we're seeing our connections and our resonance within the book of Daniel and how it's filling out this picture. The second thing that Daniel 12 adds to this picture is that the revelation concerning these things, I, in other words, the coming kingdom of God and how all that will work out, will be concealed and sealed until the end of t- end times, those last days and, and that, that later future, right? So Daniel's given a, a basic overview of divine history and how the kingdom of God will come and how it will come. But the details of how that will work out, specific, especially concerning the war and then the subsequent judgment leading up to the receiving of the kingdom, those the details and some of the specifics of that are going to be sealed up until later, right? So that, that again, walking through those three key texts in Daniel, that's painting that picture. Let me, let me say this one more time, just um, if, you're, if anyone's listening as they, as they drive in a car or whatever, we want to just be able to hear this. Daniel 2 establishes a foundation of expectation that God will establish an everlasting kingdom, ending all rival kingdoms, and this will happen in the last days. Daniel 7 builds onto that and says with a beautiful message of hope, the saints will receive that kingdom of God, will inherit that, will reign with him and live with him. But then as we look more closely, we see before that, though, there will be war. War against the saints. But the Ancient of Days will come and pass judgment in favor of the saints, and the saints will receive the kingdom. And then filling that out just a little bit more, Daniel 12 helps us understand that, okay, that time leading up to the end will be characterized by tribulation, again, war. And the details, the revelation concerning these things will will be sealed up until the end. Yeah, very good. So we'll talk about this more in our next conversation about how this story in the book of Daniel connects deeply to the book of Revelation. But I do want to ask you one closing question, Mike, because I think it's important to get us here back within the framework of Revelation. How does this promise and this plot and also this mystery of Revelation lead us up to the book of Revelation? It's, it's, I mean, more or less, it's the same message. Daniel wants to tell us God reigns despite what it looks like with Nebuchadnezzar on the throne or the Persians taking over the, you know, we see all these rival kingdoms, God reigns and God will carry out his purpose. That's exactly where revelation picks up and where revelation leads us to see how that works out to see no matter what it looks like, your God reigns. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is where we're going to pick up next time is really understanding how then does this unfolding and unveiling of the message more fully in Revelation draw from but also expand what we saw in Daniel. Thanks for listening to the Gospel According to Podcast. If you have any questions about what you heard today, please send us a voice message. We would really love to hear from you. Next time, Ryan and Mike will continue to unpack the significance of the Old Testament in this book, Revelation giving special consideration to how the Old Testament frames the events. Don't miss an episode by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, and for all time, your God reigns.